Welcome to another edition of Hit the Lights podcast. I've got a very special guest with me today, Giovanni Baccini from Luden. How are you doing? I'm very good, Gary, and thanks for having me here today. No, it's brilliant to have you on and um, and have a have a discussion about not only Luden but your journey. Um, so, on that note, would you mind telling me about your journey? How did you come to end up working as the managing director of Luden? Oh, okay. Uh, how far ago you want me to start with? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I, I, I suppose as far as is relevant, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. No, I mean, <clears throat> I started my career as as uh, an electronic engineer. So I'm an uh, engineer by uh, education. And as soon as I joined engineering, I probably been attracted from sales mostly because of company cars and perks, probably. Yeah. And <laughs> so I started my journey in sales since then, since probably a couple of years after I joined work after the college and, uh, and since then been in sales. In 2008, I joined a company in Italy, which is called the Palazzoli, <clears throat> which is the parent company of Luden. And I joined the business in Italy as the area sales manager for East Europe. And I enjoyed a couple of the years uh, looking after the sales in those particular regions. And in 2011, if I remember rightly, uh, Luden was shared 50% with Palazzoli, with another shareholder here in the UK. And we had the possibility to acquire the majority and then the full control of the business and back then i've been asked if i was happy to take care about this new venture which i did and since 2012 early 2012 to 2016 been traveling from italy to uk monday to friday and working with the uh, managing director of that time in charge of the business uh, which he decided to retire in January 2016, and probably I was maybe the natural evolution. Or, and I've been asked if I was happy to take care and jump in that particular role, which I was. And since then, basically, I'm the MD of Luden, <clears throat> and I relocated as well a family to UK in 2017. And since then, uh, we are all living here in the UK and enjoying the life in Essex. <laughs> Brilliant. Now, that sounds um, really fantastic. Uh, are, are there some nuances and differences? Obviously, if you were in uh, Italy until um, 2016, what are some of the, the major differences between the UK and Italy in terms of the market you're working within? Oh, wow. Uh, there are different. Uh, let's say that the differences are at different levels. Um, of course, the installation and wire regulation is completely different. Despite we are all under the <clears throat> international standards, then there are all the national devi deviations, you know. So <clears throat> installation wise is different than the UK, uh, mostly because again, is all related to how historically a country has developed uh, from the building construction side, mostly. We don't use that much wood as you're using here is mostly bricks and concrete and uh, the different type of constructions they re require as well a different type of uh, secret protections wirings and so on uh, so that's basically the main difference from the uh, installation point of view 
in terms of the trade is pretty much the same. Uh, we are both a very structured market. We all uh, have the distribution done through electrical wholesalers and and through the electrical wholesalers down to installers. So in this respect, they are very much pretty much the same. There are only small differences, but again, it's mostly related on how the uh, market has developed in terms of collectiencies, okay, terms and conditions commercially you can have with the different parties involved in the business. But part of that, they are very similar. So the real big difference you can see at the moment, I can recognize myself, is really about how the installation is carried over. I mean, an MCB is an MCB everywhere, don't get me wrong. Mm. But the way you're wiring it, the way, uh, simple, stupid example, uh, some some of the wiring in the UK, the power supply comes from the bottom, while in Europe or Italy, mostly it comes from the top. Okay. Yeah. Um, typical location of a main switch or the main switch of a board is on the left corner. Here is on the right hand side. So there are those differences, which comes probably from habits uh, more than anything else, mm. which can make a substantial difference on how you develop a product, if it makes sense. Yeah, you can't just distribute necessarily to everywhere. Oh, would it be well received if you were to suddenly make, uh, you know, say the distribution's all right hand side? Do you think that would be well received? In, no, in I don't Italy? think so. I don't think so. Uh, it's the, one of these things is like... Uh, <clears throat> <laughs> probably there is a reason why we drive on the different side of the road as well i don't know but anyway is <laughs> is uh, probably uh, yeah there will be is conceptually completely different i mean um, I, I would not even entertain the idea to have a main switch on the left and oh sorry on the right hand side for instance at all um or even the power coming from the bottom or the, I mean the, the the live terminals, if it makes sense. Mm. The uh, and this it creates problems on products as well because when especially you have electronic devices, you know, like RCBOs or now FTDs, um, which they have to be polarized in terms of where the uh, main it comes from. It was different when the RCDs, for instance, was electromechanical, where most of the time you can supply from top to bottom without any problems, you see. Mm -hmm. um, so it requires really to design different products for different markets in this respect under the same international standard. So they are both RCBOs, they are both RCDs, they do exactly the same thing, but they have to design slightly different uh, from the manufacturing point of view. So that's the main difference I can recognize. And I don't think UK accepting because of habits to change these things like Italy would not, honestly. That's interesting. No, that's just really interesting, isn't it? The, the, the minor the minor differences that we all hold dear. <laughs> there are minor differences. Yes, you're right. But uh, it changed. Just look at the maintenance. When you do maintenance on boards anyway, most of our... Uh, fellow electricians in the UK, they would expect to see when the switch is off, the live side on one particular side of the switch, you know. Mm. Um, and so uh, we know that it's wrong to do a live maintenance, okay. 
but when you're doing some troubleshooting or these sort of things where you're putting certain care in uh, trying to understand what's wrong and you have to do with a, a partially live circuit so with all the safety measures in place uh, also the mindset that has to change what you could touch or what you couldn't touch or you shouldn't touch is completely different no yeah so, yeah no, exactly yeah, yeah. So, so it's habits, but they have their importance, yeah. Yeah, no, familiarity for, for safety is obviously exactly. key, isn't it? Yeah, yeah no, definitely, definitely, uh, for that reason. How, how did you find uh, the transition to learning a new set of standards? Honestly, I have to be honest, I've been probably uh, blessed with uh, good guys here in Luden, honestly, because they really helped me a lot to understand the uh, grayscales or the different things that applies here and so it wasn't really dramatic it was quite smooth for me but especially because uh, I had uh, good guys here good engineers which can uh, uh, help as well someone like me which is not really in super depth uh, technical uh, aspects but to understand as well what are the most principles which drive our industry, you know? Um, so I think that was really good for in this respect, honestly. And then, uh, as always, uh, keep yourself informed, keep yourself curious enough to learn an extra yard, an extra mile every day. So that's what I see. Sure. Uh, I mean, my, my experience in the past with... Um uh, say Palazzoli mm-hmm. in, in terms of a range of products how did you find that transitioning because obviously I'm I'm from an instrumentation background so I'm mm-hmm. kind of familiar with that sort of range of components but obviously now Luden are very much you know into your your distribution boards yeah. you know your, your lighting hazardous yeah. areas and all these other things how how are you coping with extending that range and knowledge across a, a a wide range of products now yeah yeah thanks for asking this because it's uh, one of the most parts which is challenging in terms of uh, keeping enough uh, knowledge within the business across these very dishomogeneous sometimes uh, uh, divisions i think uh, let's put it in this way what is uh, circuit protection wiring and switch gears and the core business of Palazzoli, which was industrial plug and sockets and distribution boards, it was pretty much similar. You need to learn different product standards, but the basics are pretty much the same. It becomes more challenging when you're moving to lighting for obvious reasons, uh, because A is a completely different type of product and it has a different type of specifications. It has to be built according to um, not only and purely product standards, but also in mind with the final installations, as always, you know. So that's where it becomes uh, very uh, challenging sometimes to switch between one group to the other uh, in terms of knowledge. And that's the reason why we treat as well certain products as a division within the business because the best way is to keep the focus of the engineers and some of the uh, technical sales uh, people as well 
um, up to speed on that particular division, which doesn't mean they know something about another division, but it's not their bread and butter, if it makes sense. Sure. So it's quite challenging in this respect. But once again, you try to find the right uh, borders and boundaries between all these things. It becomes uh, quite natural, I would say, honestly. It's a it's a wide range of skill sets to be across, isn't it? it to, is. um, and obviously having the the right supports and staff um, integral to those skill sets is is key, isn't it? Yeah. The more you go, let's put it in this way: uh, the more you move near to the root of the development of a product, uh, the skill sets has to be splitted almost completely. Uh, why? Because each product has in those divisions has quite a different genesis, okay? Um, so, but the more you're moving close to the market, except the exceptions between uh, lighting and 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 uh, power and distribution, um, uh, they might convolute in one or two big groups, okay? But the more you're moving backwards to the engineering side is where you need different super skilled expertise in order to develop a TPNM board versus uh, 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 a switch socket versus uh, uh, an MCD or an FDD. And especially with the new technology which is coming along where electronics and not electronics only in the pure sense of a hardware, but also in terms of a firmware. So the fact that you start installing certain type of brains in star inside the uh, what was a simple MCB, which became an, an RCBO, which is now becoming a more uh, a complex uh, thing like an FDD, is where you then you start mixing a lot of skills into it because you need people who knows quite well about the hardware on the switch and all the electromechanical part of it. Then you need someone who knows things quite in depth on uh, electronic related hardware things, which is more electronic than less electromechanical. And then you have the uh, programming side, which is the firmware. That's where the things becomes a little bit more complex, really. Because find, even, yeah, sorry, please. No, I was, I was gonna say, do you find there's a, an internal struggle between each of those three sections to achieve the, the maximum product that they want to achieve at that time? The struggle is, coming when uh, there is as, as always there are each of the areas they are trying to perform at their best which it doesn't mean it will not compromise one of the other areas okay yeah and uh, so is a, a very a delicate equilibrium you have to have between the heads of the departments in understanding where is the best way to a mitigate the position of the other part, okay? Because you can have the, all the fantastic electromechanical part, which doesn't really cooperate or, or or integrate as well as with the electronic part. And then some problems may start uh, happening in the marketplace, which is mostly related to reliability or these sort of things. So it's really an exercise which is continuous in between these three elements, which they need to become one in real terms, uh, which is nothing new in the industry in general, okay? But because you have a big component, which is the one related to the electromechanical side, okay? So don't forget that we are not losing the biometallic part. We're not losing the um, uh, the RCD 
uh, sleeping capacity and all these sort of things which needs to be managed uh, within the short circuit withstanding capacity of the switch and then you start adding a small PCB which is monitoring the earth leakaging um, uh, so it's all these things that needs really to be combined very well between each other and and the result is a compact unit at the end of the day because if you start like in the old-fashioned way building those parts on the top of each other uh, you obtain a, a two module uh, IFDD while now the tendency in the market is one module two polar uh, IFDD for instance all in one so the only way to achieve such as integration is to have these three parts working together uh, um, very well if it makes sense no yeah definitely how do you in that sense manage the quality of, of your product then is, is there quite heavily uh, is are you guarded by standards processes within the business quality of a product is a combination of many factors okay so there is the quality of the design first of all so when you're designing a product you have to make sure that the design is as much as possible uh, flow free of uh, potential issues which can happen in the manufacturing and the mass production okay so the quality of the design is about as well keeping uh, the ease of the manufacturing floor or the ease for the quality department once they are in productions to control um, the um, quality process okay and then of course don't forget they have to bear in mind how the product will be ease as well for the installers to uh, 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 wire it to, to 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 handle it okay so if we stick with the pure quality of the products, the, the quality of the design is uh, the root, okay, that's my view. The second part which comes along is once you design a product and you put it in, in the in, through the laboratory is to, uh, of course, having the product to correspond 100% to the product standards. The uh, third part is once the product has been approved through the laboratories is how the quality of the design allows you, once you're in the manufacturing stage, to control each individual state of the manufacturing uh, process, including, of course, the final test. But the final test is only the one which certified that the product does what it has to do, you know. Mm. And then there is the big thing, which is once the product has been designed, manufactured, and in mass production, and um, how you can make sure elements which wasn't really considered at the beginning of the, manif- the, 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 the engineering process, i.e. installations uh, um, behaviors in terms of, oh, people are using this product in a certain way, which we w- wasn't expecting. So we need maybe to strengthen a small plastic part, which was weaker at the beginning because we didn't think that was the typical use, you know. Um, so, and um the quality it comes as well a lot from how each businesses are collecting the feedback from the market because quality comes as well over the time in developing the product to meet as much as possible the uh, customer expectations and why not sometimes exceeding them okay uh, and 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 customers expectations change a lot according to who you speak to okay of course electricians they have in mind certain type of uh, 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 priorities, uh, 
but if you go through um, engineers like you, they might have other type of agendas, you know, so you need to mitigate all these things. So quality is really a combination of a lot of aspects, okay, if it's quality related to the product. Then there is the quality on how a business behaves and sustain uh, its own customers uh, during normal, let's say, uh, uh, trading uh, relationship, you know, and this is all related to the quality of how the delivery arrives to you, how the uh, uh, products are packed, how we are interacting with our customers or customers of customers when they might have questions, um, how you make available technical information on your website, how you are trying to educate um, uh, the um, market as well about solutions that normally are not as obvious as they looks like. Okay, so and therefore then you build the uh, the, 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 the the what I would call it the 360 quality uh, system of a business. Okay, and this is where, for instance, for us at businesses like us. Um, Systems like the B, um, the business quality system, BQS, okay, it comes into the equation. So you have procedures, you have standards you're following. Um, in the good old days, nine, uh, ISO 9001 was a good guidance. Uh, it's still a good guidance, but uh, as always, as businesses, we are trying to raise the bar on what we're doing and how we're controlling processes. So you are implementing as well things which goes above the minimum requirements as well sometimes because you want to make sure that what you're delivering in the market is a quality which trying to embrace everything from product to everything else the business does, if it makes sense. Big, big element of this is uh, the people which works within the business, how the, 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 the layout of the manufacturing layout of the of the of the warehouse, the way layout of the offices are enabling as well people to uh, deliver the quality you're expecting to be delivered, if it makes sense. No, it definitely does. Yeah, no, I mean, you, you kind of touched on there, the marketing as well. Um, mm. And I, I understand as part of your your marketing, obviously, like you say, educating, um, you know, the people who potentially might buy your products. Yeah. Um, I believe you've been sending some guidance notes out and and different things like that. Um, you know, can you tell me a little bit more about how you how you communicate that to enhance your 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 range of products? Absolutely. <clears throat> I tell you, Luden is quite in a business which is evolving uh, for the last probably ten years, I would say in a different way that he'd been evolving from probably for the previous uh, uh, 50 years, okay? Bearing in mind, Luden has been around since 1946. So we are quite an old established business. And, uh, but this doesn't mean that you have to be not considering new way of marketing yourself into the marketplace, uh, trying to attract as much as possible customers to you because you are generating a value to them more than a simple exchange of a product. Uh, and one of the things that we come across, we came across uh, a couple of years ago, and probably a bit more now uh, with COVID in the middle, um, it was that one of the way for us to try to 
uh, be proactive in the market was why we should keep certain, uh, let's say, informations or certain type of uh, uh, understanding about installations and products close to our chest. Let's try to make them as much as pos possible public. And sometimes it could be a simple video on how to use a product or how to make things. Or this time around for the amendment to on the 18th regulation was to try to promote uh, some of the understanding, which is pertinent to our products, of course. We are not pretending to explain the whole regulation, okay? Mm. Um, but trying to make it as much as possible public and uh, in uh, what we believe uh, is a format that, uh, despite the topic is quite uh, heavy in terms of wording, in terms of trying to understand what is about and trying to make it as much as possible, as simple as possible. Um, so that's basically what we are trying to do with uh, this phase of our journey in the last, let's say, decade of Luden, uh, which is really trying to become more, as I said, open to share knowledge, really, um, to share understanding that we have guys here who are receiving calls every day from different electricians in all scattered around the UK. And guess what? There is no a unique questions, I think. And that's my probably is quite a wrong assumption. But I think if an electrician somewhere in Surrey has a question, I'm pretty sure there will be someone else sitting somewhere else across the country which has a similar, if not the exact same question. Mm. And therefore, capitalizing as well on those, there is nothing wrong, you know. So that was what we changed recently. So trying to be at the front of uh, um, spreading the knowledge more than educating, okay? Because educating is, at least probably from my background, it could be misleading type of uh, wording. But anyway, if we start spreading the knowledge, if we start opening the understanding, and we do organize as well in Luden some electric um, installer days where we're trying to show as well what we do behind the scenes. Um, yeah, that, because, that's yeah. always very informative, isn't it, to understand where the product comes from? I think so. I mean, uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I'm always amazed to watch sometimes those programs, how it's made and these sort of things where, of course, I mean, there are different degrees on how things are made. As I told you before, the quality of the business comes from different elements. But looking at how a company behaves and is organized on the sales back office, on the technical back office, how a product uh, genesis starts. Uh, of course, we can't share what we have in the pipeline, but we can share products genesis that has been already presented in the market and they are at the public knowledge, you know. So these sort of things. Uh, there are some people who are interested in, some people who are not, but we try to be, um, as a business, at least under my uh, guidance, uh, as much as possible, uh, like an open, an open door policy in any respect, honestly. Yeah. No, no, it's definitely um, refreshing, isn't it? Like you say, uh, through various programs now, we get to see how almost everything and anything is is made and manufactured. So having having access to know where a product comes from can help build a relationship can't it and trust in that well also i mean uh, 
in the UK, we have a very limited manufacturing because most of our products are coming from the parent company or other factories, which we have scattered around half of the world. But if you uh, want, if you are interested, for instance, on how a product is continuously assessed to make sure that you're receiving the right level of quality, which exceed, as I said, the minimum bare expectations. Uh, what we do internally here is also interesting to understand how it works. You know, um, sometimes you receive a product which has been through uh, thousands of miles of journey. So how you are assessing that this product, after all the vibrations, mechanical shocks, thermal shocks, it comes in the in in the country and is still fit for purpose, for instance, and how you do uh, what we call it type testing in order to have regular stress tests done to products as well, which exacerbate potential deviations. Those basically are also interesting to see, honestly, um, because again, it builds is one of the small parts of that jigsaw which it builds the big world quality that you mentioned at the beginning no def definitely does yeah no i mean one thing you kind of touched on there is you're getting components from around the world mm -hmm. and obviously the world is, is in chaos <laughs> at the moment and and has been for for a little while how, how, how have you managed through you know the pandemic through um, component shortages and issues. Have you suffered at all at the hands of any of that? Oh yes, uh, I think uh, I think there is not much businesses which has been not touched by their problems. Honestly, um, there are factors which contribute above the components availability, which was and is still in some regions. Uh, of Europe or of the world anyway, nations, uh, is the surge in demand as well. So shortage is one thing and is basically exacerbated by a surge in demand as well. So probably for the first time in in modern history, the whole world went to halt, you know. Um, uh, we had wars in the past though, and we still have wars, I'm afraid, uh, but they've been geolocalized in certain areas of the world you know uh, Europe maybe stopped during the second world war by US uh, part of Asia not all Asia they had their problems as well South America they keep moving in these in this case now we we completely stopped every one of us so the full supply chain stopped then as soon as the ease in restrictions started everyone was in the rush to generate the economic recovery and this is the one which creates basically the big problem because uh, there was not enough in the market which can satisfy the demand generated by all individual nations. I think all the G20s nations, they just put money to try to recover the economy as quickly as possible at the end of the day. And then, of course, uh, these uh, create problems with availability with uh, when I say containers means any means for transportation, because there was as well issues with the transportations from Europe, uh, not only from overseas, uh, which spikes in costs heavily. Uh, so everyone has been touched, I believe, or most of us has been touched by those problems. How to solve these problems? 
that is not the solution. There are all actions you can put in place to mitigate the problem. And the only way to mitigate is to work on uh, uh, more closely to your supply chain. There are certainly aspects of uh, immobilizing more capitals because you are holding, uh, when I say stock, it doesn't mean by definition stock of finished products, but also uh, uh, stock of raw materials. Uh, so trying to um, hedge and book stock of raw materials, whatever they are, copper, aluminium or ABS or whatever, um, as much as possible. And uh, and uh, fragmenting as well, probably your supply chain. So uh, trying, if it makes sense, uh, to bet on different uh, horses, if it makes sense. Yeah, so, split the risk. Uh, splitting the risk is basically that. So so if before you had three, four suppliers, maybe now you're increasing to probably another two or three on the top of that. And uh, I mean, I'm talking still talking about the raw materials at the moment, uh, which means you can get the best of the availability you can find in the market as well. And uh, and therefore, this it creates a bit of uh, um, working capital, which will be uh, locked uh, in in terms of uh, of availability for for some months, you know. And some in some cases, we're talking about really months. Um, there are a few examples. I mean, where uh, believe it or not, on certain items you have to start placing orders now if you want to get raw materials in uh, March next year. Yeah, no, I I can understand that. I've faced similar struggles. <laughs> so yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, and plus raising in raw materials because of the war. Uh, um, I was having a, this conversation with uh, uh, a fuse maker a couple of months ago. Uh, which looks strange, but fuses are heavily affected by energy cost and uh, and gas costs because they are ceramic parts most of the time, and ceramic is built through sand and temperature in a very simple way. Okay, so <laughs> how you generate temperature, <laughs> energy or gas, one of the two. So uh, so you see a big surge on a small component, which is a very simple component, uh, which is sometimes had uh, prices going up as well, twice as much as they were, you know. So um, so there are materials which are more effective than others, and there are products which uh, will be affected more than others. Our job is not only to mitigate the raw material side and the logistics side, but also uh, sometimes working on uh, the engineering of the products and the engineering of the manufacturing floor, because then you try to bring in efficiency um, in order to mitigate any price increase in raw materials, which otherwise will reflect in huge inflations as well on products. There are different aspects you have to take into consideration. So the one clearly is raw materials and and supply chain but there is a lot you have to do as well internally as a business if it makes sense no it definitely it definitely does there's obviously quite a few challenges do you do you find um you've you have distribution challenges post uh, you know completion of the product obviously you've got 
um, I'm sure nationwide um, suppliers that you need to get to. Do you have any sort of those, those challenges that you're facing? Mm, okay, <laughs> depends. Distributing in a pure sense, probably not. Uh, it's only a matter of cost at the moment. So it's not much to get the product at the branch level or at the uh, site, uh, if it's a, uh, a direct-to-site uh, delivery. Is really cost at the moment, which they are surging for obvious reasons is all evident to us. If you're talking about for a manufacturer to introduce a new product in in into the network, uh, this is where the things are becoming a bit challenging in, for different reasons, uh, which is all related to again going back to the marketing side, going back to the uh, trying to generate the demands in some cases, if it's a very particular product, and in some other cases, how to man- manage stocks uh, together with uh, and in partnership with the wholesalers. So there are different aspects. I don't know which one you want to touch on, honestly. I don't know if it makes sense what I said, because there are different aspects in uh, reaching each individual branch in this respect, which is physically reaching with a product or physically reaching with promoting new products, promoting new solutions, uh, or even sometimes as well, uh, reaching out branches to spread the knowledge about the new regs and the new things with them as well. Yeah, I suppose it all goes hand in hand, doesn't it, when you've got a, a new range of products, the marketing, the distribution, also the the um, the component restrictions, it all kind of feeds into some of the, I suppose, the overall distribution challenges that you face, isn't it? It does, and especially nowadays where the we are all busy for many different reasons. We always been, but uh, shortages of staff and all these sort of things, which comes into the equation, means that people has less time to dedicate to uh, what you would classify as business development or even personal development, mm. uh, which needs to be, I think, quite high in the agenda for everyone. Um, so, and sometimes it's really the lack of physical time to get people to sit around a table as we do now with you for half an hour, whatever it is, and and having the time to explain and understand and digest what is um, the new regs, what is the new product, and so on, you know. Yeah. So, uh, that's basically is probably part of the biggest challenges nowadays is how to manage more effectively the time in order to allow as well some time for these type of interactions to happen, honestly. I, yeah, one of the obviously the industry, like you're probably well aware, is moving incredibly fast um, in, in terms of the future for the products that you're you're developing are you kind of looking at the the bluetooth the the smart monitoring is that kind of where you see it see it heading and ultimately the marketing in that direction as well um, i think yes but there are um evolutions which has to take place especially in an industry like ours um at the right uh, speed as well, which doesn't mean it has to be too slow, but it doesn't need to be too much rushed in, if it makes sense. Put it in this way, I have no doubt that the smart homes and the smart 
home of the future with a particular distribution board designed in a particular way uh, with particular features inside, okay, <laughs> uh, it will be uh, the uh, norm, uh, if it makes sense, in a few years' time from now. And, and we are working on these things effectively as a business. All depends really when the market is ready to also accept, um, because those things come to a cost, I'm afraid. So we need we need to make sure that we are not setting ourselves for something which is far too much and is a gradual swing to this type of technology, which are, we, we definitely will be required as soon as we will have uh, vehicle to grid the type of applications as soon as we will have more battery storage in our houses and everything else uh, is happening definitely yes uh, we have some solutions as a business but they are at the moment quite a big development which needs to take place and uh, unfortunately at the moment there is not much standards uh, which are guiding in this respect so um, I yeah Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, I, I get where you're coming from. Obviously, um, it's moving so fast. Like you say, there's no standards. There's no regulatory way of managing safely, even potentially some of the developments that are being made. And, and if you were to shove a product out there that maybe had uh, issues with it or, or something of that nature, then you wouldn't want to... Um, have a product that was below the standards you set for yourselves. And as also, I mean, take the EV as an example, EV charging as an example, which uh, the recent regulations which has been put in place, they're trying to basically rush in a good way, in a good way, I believe, uh, something which before it was, yes, regulated by the standards, okay, but not to the depth where we had to go now because there are uh, aspects which initially wasn't considered, i.e. the uh, grid loads and potential hackings and so on. So um, what it means is that basically you are entering in a phase in that particular type of range or similar where the agility as well of a business in developing a new product has to be very, very fast, and uh, and sometimes it becomes quite complex as well to get enough time from laboratories to keep up with your own expectations. You know, um, you can't go out with a product which is not being going through proper laboratory tests, proper certifications, proper assessments, and this takes time. It takes time. Hence, for instance, uh, us as a group we decide as well to invest on a certain degree because you can't have everything in-house, but we have a quite well-equipped laboratories in Italy, which we use to do some internal tests in order to speed and to shorten these uh, time to market. Um, so yeah, definitely the wave is coming. Uh, you have to be careful to, to jump on the right moment. And it's like surfing, you know? <laughs> that's, a, that's a good analogy. Yeah, definitely. In terms of what some of the other marketing and things that you are carrying out, I understand you've obviously got the Luden Academy um, and that's in partnership with EFIX. Is, am I right there? And could we you do. tell me? Yeah, we do something in partnership with them. 
and something we produce internally. We we do use Ifix where we would like to create more engagement with the external world. Okay, where you have to be honest as well with yourself sometimes. How you can be attractive and interesting to uh, electricians if you can speak only about consumer unit TPNNs and plug and sockets. Okay, yeah, After sure. While, you become a bit boring. Honestly. <laughs> so, and people like them, Efix, they have the fantastic position where they can uh, uh, mix and match uh, products and solutions uh, spacing between anything from a small and I'm exaggerating as a matter of fact from a small ferrule for cables to the big switch or the full interactive uh, lighting to a new power tool or anything which becomes uh, a very interesting engaging platform for people in trades you know so using them is for us uh, as well to probably uh, tapping into audiences that normally we will never touch, if it makes sense. For the reason I said, I mean, uh, you can be interested in Luden, but after a while, after you see our products, you move on, you know. Um, and when Luden will try to engage with you again, it will be quite uh, uh, at least uh, hard to re-engage, you know, uh, while them in their position, especially leveraging the new medias, um, I think is a fantastic way to use to interact with customers. That's the reason why when they started these uh, operations a few years ago, uh, I was really keen to start with them from day one because I saw a very new, fresh way to interact with our customers and the people who use our products every day. No, definitely. The um, one, one of the other things that I uh, noted on your website, which I, I rather enjoyed, was the virtual reality of mm. the of the equipment. So obviously you can select whatever um, product um, that you wanted to use. And obviously you can then utilizing your camera, put it in in the room and, you know, you get a sense of the physical constraints. So that's another um, good marketing tool there. Yeah, yeah, we did that. Uh, it's more an experiment at the moment, more than anything else. It's uh, an augmented reality, uh, which shows you one of our consumer units in suits, basically. And uh, of course, we have, pr- as always, you have to start somewhere before you're developing something bigger. And, uh, and that was probably the first attempt for something that we have in the pipeline. Um, and um, yeah, it's quite an interesting tool, you know, and we develop as well virtual uh, showrooms of our products. I don't know if you had the chance to look at those in our website. And this was developed during the pandemic. And it was a way for us to uh, do uh, presentations to customers, even over Zoom, by as much as possible delivering the big element which was missing back then which is the touch and feel element. When you see a product, everything looks okay on the screen. Start touching the product and you feel the quality of how the switch engaged on how how the screws tight, you know, these sort of things that uh, 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 every one of us, even uh, not me being an electrician, but being uh, uh, someone who enjoy a bit of DIY, not in the electrical world, but in other things, uh, when you have something which is robust in your hands, you immediately perceive it, you know, 
So, and so we tried to virtualize something which wasn't possible to materializing back then, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's a perfect example of um, out of necessity comes ingenuity. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And we developed that platform uh, in three weeks after the first lockdown. And uh, the guys in the marketing department of Luton, they did a fantastic job. Uh, and they were working from home and they did it, they populated and we went live. Initially, it was used only with uh, the wholesalers to try to keep the engagement high and then we started using with other type of uh, audience and then we made it public in the website so it was made public in the website only probably a few months ago but it's been used by us for the last three years basically two years and a half is is also going back to what we said not only agility in uh, changing your product to adapt to the new technology you mentioned bluetooth and uh, the smart homes and so on but also agility in adapting a new uh, uh, norm or a new set of rules which are not written anywhere. You can't find them anywhere, so you need to adapt yourself to a new status quo, you know? So, um, and and that was the typical example. I mean, that was one of those we adopted during the uh, lockdown period, which was very hard for everyone anyway. No, no, definitely. I mean, it, it sounds like everything you're, you're doing is obviously looking towards the future and may, may, long may it continue. Yeah, we have different views from the, uh, for, for what will be the future, not only product related, but also um, what is the big thing for us as a business is to be always minded that what we do has an impact on the environment, has an impact on how you are also leaving uh, a footprint, okay, whatever it can be defined, a carbon footprint or also a footprint in terms of uh, something tangible and valuable to our customers, really. I mean, that's what we're trying to do every day. Hard job, I mean, because, uh, as I said, it's quite a moving post. Uh, <laughs> so it requires a lot of uh, uh, hit and miss and, uh, and keep, keep moving, keep reinventing the wheel, finding new ways and, uh, and 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 be always on the top of what you're doing as much as you can really yeah and no, that's i think that's a um a brilliant message to end our little chat on um i do have one last question for you though sure. and, and that's what's your favorite movie my favorite movie oh i'm afraid i need to find a, a movie which is okay put it in this way my favorite favorite movie is uh, an Italian movie, I'm afraid, which is Cinema Paradiso. It's all about a story about a cinema. Uh, okay. Uh, but it's an Italian movie, okay? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, uh, if I try to move to uh, something which is more, let's say, international in this respect, my favorite movies are the Indiana Jones saga. Ah, uh, no, good choice. I, I do like those. Um, is, is there any one in particular? Raiders, really. of, Ra- Raiders of the Lost Ark is usually a favourite for, for many. Uh, honestly, I'm enjoying all of them. Honestly, I have not really a super favourite one. Um, I quite like number four. I quite I don't know why, but I quite like the one with the aliens. And that's probably a controversial one because not many people did. <laughs> Which one are you talking about? Sorry, just remind me. Number four. Um, oh! I, with okay. the Russians and the atomic bombs and... 
um, they're hunting for, I think it's the UFOs in, in the yeah. Aztecs and stuff. That, that probably, and uh, sorry, <laughs> it's probably my least favorite. Probably, <laughs> I have to be honest. But I tell Fair you enough. why, because uh, it moves, oh, but don't, don't get me wrong, it's all about, uh, it's not really science what they, they, they portray in there, but there is a bit of, uh, uh, always a bit of history element in it, you know, which they try to portray, which is the part I love. On that one, there is a bit of a fantasy scientific part of it, which uh, I probably not grasp in full. Uh, but anyway, it, it remains one of my favorites anyway, in terms of a saga, really, as as one to four. Uh, I love them. I mean, uh, I can watch them probably even two nights in a row, honestly, without any problems. And I will enjoy <laughs> and I will smile probably at the same bloody thing. Um, yeah. So, but uh, is um, yeah. So that's probably the one which uh, because it's a mix of adventure, history, places, um, and and of course, sometimes there are those debatable things which could be uh, aliens or even I'm afraid when they were uh, trying to hunt uh, the the what it was the sacred ground. How you call it? Um, I, yeah, I, I can't remember the terminology, yeah, used, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's religious artifacts. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. it's one of these things that I'm um, okay. There is a bit of, uh, let's say, poetic license there as well, probably. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but you take it as it comes, you know. So, yeah, so that's probably the one, yeah. That is brilliant. Um, th- thank you very much for your time. It's been uh, a fascinating chat and a, a, a great insight into you know um the thoughts behind luden oh thank you very much to you gary for a uh, uh thinking of me to be invited to your podcast so thank you very much really yeah yeah no and uh, thank you everyone for listening